0: This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. From the campus of the University of Pennsylvania Wharton School, this is Leadership in Action on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here is Professor Mike Usine, Jeffrey Klein, and Anne Greenhall. Welcome to Leadership in Action on Sirius XM Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. I'm Ann Greenhall, Deputy Director of the Ann and John McNulty Leadership Program here at the Wharton School. And today, I have the pleasure of reporting to you from the 23rd Annual Wharton Leadership Conference. The theme this year is Leading in a Context of Conflict. And today, I couldn't be more honored and pleased to speak with our keynote presenter, former Florida Governor Jeb Bush. Governor Bush, welcome to the show.
1: It's a joy to be with you, Ann.
0: It's a pleasure to have you. Uh, if I may, you may have met or will meet Mike Useem, the director of the Center for Leadership and Change Management. He's one of the co-hosts of the, SPON, yes. of the uh, conference today. And Mike has a wonderful, wonderful expression, something that I wish that I had said, <laughs> and <laughs> that is that uh, leadership is at its best when the vision is strategic. The voice persuasive and the results tangible. Perfect. Isn't that great? <laughs> Isn't that <Totally> great? Oh, <laughs> perfect!
1: Because it's not just laying out a vision and leaving it at that. It's not just checking a box, and it's never short term. It always has to be sustained over the long haul, which means you also have to have dogged determination to make it happen. And leaders uh, end up earning followers because yes. of that. Right. And you don't get followers unless you lead, and leading really requires being all in.
0: Absolutely. So would you say a little bit about in formulating your strategic vision as as governor? uh, How how did education rise so high to the top?
1: Well, it's it's uh, it's kind of been a core value in our family and it's certainly a core value uh, when I was secretary of commerce and, and as a candidate the first time I lost the first time, which were I learned a lot about leadership by losing um, maybe more than than um, any yeah. other experience. And I just, uh, when I ran in 1998, I visited 250 schools. If you do the math on this, you know, it's I was cranking out three a day, basically. And what I learned was to take ideas that I deeply, I, I held deeply, that I was passionate about, but I learned to put a human context around them. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the statistics <laughs> that that would drive people to see how change was necessary, was the human context. A a high school senior who had been in the K-12 system all the way through who was trying to take a 8th grade level high school graduation Mm -hmm. test for the last time or would not not get the high school diploma couldn't answer the question of a baseball game starts at 3 and ends at 4.30, how long is the game? And you're thinking about that child's future. And if that doesn't overwhelm you with sadness and anger, then I don't know what kind of person you are. So by sharing these experiences, the frustration of teachers, of children that were cast aside, Mm -hmm. of bureaucrats that didn't care, uh, didn't basically were focused on their own economic interest, it motivated me um, to be able to lay out a a clear vision of, of change. Now, it wasn't a necessarily it was very controversial what we did but the part of the the lesson that you mentioned that is really important is you got to have success you you all of this effort the vision and the implementation has to ultimately for it to be sustainable has to be successful and and thankfully in florida we went we've had 30 years now or 20 plus years of continuous improvement in our graduation rate so we went from 50th now to the middle of the pack We're number one in the country as it relates to low-income children for fourth and eighth grade Mm -hmm. reading. We are uh, top five in the country for Hispanic kids and top five for African-American kids. And we're 60% majority minority. And we're 60% free and reduced lunch uh, Mm -hmm. qualified students. So the mythologies that build up that some kids can learn, some kids can't, that life circumstances drive Mm -hmm. education outcomes thankfully, over a long period of time, by our results, we've shattered that myth. And thank God, because imagine the world we're moving towards now. In 1998, what I saw was a danger with a child not being able to answer that question. But now, with work being obsolete, with all of the innovations (laughs) taking places in a place where literally, um, through artificial intelligence, and big data analytics, and automation, we're going to Just wipe out huge swaths of uh, middle income work. We got to raise the level of our game big time.
0: Oh, so good! Now, when you when I everybody
1: goes to Wharton.
0: (laughs) Well, we're delighted to have you here. when in responding to my question about strategic vision, you mentioned, you, you said essentially that the facts don't speak for themselves. In other words, in order to get people to align with you, you have to convey a, mesh, a message that is backed by data, but has that emotional appeal. Yeah. So I'm, I'm trying to imagine as governor you, you know, it's, it strikes me, yes, you have people reporting to you. So in that regard, there's an executive component to it. But it strikes me that most of the work is highly legislative. In other words, that you get what you want through influence. (laughs) So could you talk a little bit about how you learned to align people behind a vision?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. um, Because I came in as a complete rookie. I ran with, you know, (laughs) My five point plans to cure the common cold, and I get there, and literally the next month of the legislative session starts, and I had to learn a very uh, unnatural process, which is how does a how does yeah. an idea become a bill that become a law, right? And you know, over a sixty day period with people who during those sixty days think they're God Almighty,
0: mm-hmm. <laughs> so okay.
1: it was a, it was a learning experience, and it required you know learning and it was, I I had no knowledge of how to do this. I listened to people that had that experience. Mm -hmm. I learned when to put the pressure on, when to let it go, when to empower um, legislatures and when to strike the fear of the Lord in them. I mean, it was, uh, by the end, I got better at it. Um, I was totally fortunate to have a president of the Senate and a speaker of the House that viewed my success as their success. Oh,
0: great. Yes. Which was like, yes,
1: Thank God it happened my first two years when they uh, viewed that because it wasn't always that way. As I was learning, it it you know it was helpful that they had pity on the rookie governor. But <laughs> well, we did we accomplished a lot because of it. And my job was to. I mean, I'm a data nerd and I love data, and I, and I'm an introvert, so I had to overcome a lot of uh, natural kind of instincts to tell mm-hmm. the story through facts and yeah. through yeah and and. and and I learned very quickly that people watch all this with their peripheral vision they 're not focused on what the Governor says. Tallahassee's ten miles south of Georgia for crying out loud, where you know most of the population is one hundred and fifty miles south of there and even further south. I mean it takes eight hours to drive from Miami to Tallahassee, so people don't watch what goes on, so you have to be consistent, constant. Mm. You have to communicate in a way that draws people's attention, and you have to be passionate about it for them to know that you really believe it. You're willing to risk everything. You have to be all in. Um, If it's just a check-the-box kind of political deal, the cynicism, which is even greater now, uh, overwhelms any kind of chance of success.
0: I so appreciate your making that point again as I was thinking about having the opportunity to speak with you. I was wondering how as a political leader, as governor, how do you how do you sort of sort through the signal and the noise? You know, yeah. There is so much noise. It how do you do that me. yourself, and how do you get others to hone in on that signal that you really want them to pick up?
1: Yeah. So I I learned to avoid the tyranny of the moment, the tyranny of the present, um, which is the same. I think
0: yeah. we're saying the yeah. same
1: thing. It was. It's harder now because social media is just like ubiquitous. Yeah, (laughs) people people are obsessed by it beyond belief. Mm -hmm. Um, But as a leader, you have to stay focused. You have to you have to be mindful of the details. I had a I kept a list called the FUP list, follow up please list.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's great.
1: And I sent you know every Sunday while I was at home watching the Dolphins lose, (laughs) uh, I would I would send out emails to my core people that were in the, in the office of the governor that were working the departments and said, you know, and I would give them their follow-up list to see if anything had happened. So I, I was, you know, all in. This, yeah. I spent a lot of time <laughs> in my job because th- that, that consumed a lot of time. But I never lost sight of the broader, more important mission, which was to create the agenda and constantly be building on that agenda um, to draw people towards it. And the final thing I'd say is that uh, in state government, unlike in private you know, large corporations, the pay is lousy. Mm-hmm. Uh, as mm-hmm. I said, Tallahassee mm-hmm. is removed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a very insular, small, mm-hmm. beautiful little town. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I had to recruit people who were smarter than they knew, who had more talent than they could imagine, <laughs> and I had to empower them. I was like the chief talent officer of state government. Um, So I built a leadership cadre that, um, and I learned that I didn't, didn't, I I realized how important it was because they got worn out every two years. So I had to constantly be building a, a bench to be able to, for people to assume more responsibility than they ever imagined and then have their back and never let, never, if there was a mistake, accept responsibility, uh, we might have a session on the couch occasionally, you know, where we yeah. went through why this <laughs> group occurred, which got them a little nervous, I guess. But the, <laughs> the fact was, I was loyal to them, and they were extraordinarily loyal to me, and I gave them more responsibility than they ever, ever would have had in the private sector. And from that, by the way, now is this incredible alumni of people that Great. are making huge contributions in, in life. And, yeah. um our, our, our success were, our, our interests were aligned. They were empowered to do their job. Mm-hmm. I had their back and they were fearless. Mm, that's and, great. Um, it was helpful.
0: Yeah. And, you know, I'm hearing a theme here, education of young people, children in Florida, and also the empowering of the people, the cadre who work Work with you, yeah. so education is running through both in your in your immediate work and the work that you yeah. influenced as governor.
1: And in the the cool part of the job was I didn't like I was relatively young. Um, my I was you know I had a successful business, but these public leadership challenges were new. It's one thing to run, you know, you can do that okay or not, and it doesn't necessarily translate directly into. Running an enterprise that has 130,000 employees and a 75 billion dollar budget with incoming coming at you like nobody's business, Florida's like, are you kidding? It's the are you kidding me state. I mean, <laughs> stuff happened every day that, yeah. that you could get distracted from yeah. the broader mm-hmm. uh, broader agenda. So I learned this. It was it was a extraordinary experience because every day I learned as I went along, and um, I guess that's another leadership skill that I, I think is lacking today in public life. People aren't as curious intellectually uh, as they should Mm -hmm. be, and they're not as humble as they need to be Mm -hmm. to be able to learn along the way to be better.
0: This is Leadership in Action on Business Radio, Sirius XM, Channel 132. I'm your host, Anne Greenhall, and my guest this half hour is former Florida Governor Jeb Bush, the keynote speaker at Wharton's 23rd Annual Leadership Conference now you 've said so much, but let me pick on one point uh, you 've spoken about being all in and also about having that follow up list you know <laughs> to, so though there 's a wonderful balance here, and again you 're reminding me of an uh, interview I had last year with um, uh, retired general and, and Another Stanley McChrystal oh, yeah. Who has this great expression It may be ubiquitous in the military But it was new to me And that is he said that he prefers to lead With eyes ha- eyes on And hands off and so I'm just wondering yeah, if you great... isn't that great. So how would you describe your leadership style? Similarly,
1: well, I, that would be a little, uh, as my mom would say, a little braggadocious <laughs> <laughs> to compare myself to Stanley McChrystal. But yeah, you've got to have uh, you you've got to empower people, and you but you can't be negligent. You have to know what's going on. Part of the uh, part of the reason why I did what I did, which required literally you know, probably an extra two hours a day. So from 14 to 16 kind of deal. Yeah. Uh, uh Hours a day. Uh, part of it was, I wanted people around me to have a servant's heart. And so when Mrs. Schmidlap called and there was a, <laughs> you know, a varmint in the, in her ceiling <laughs> from Delray beach, that wasn't the job of state government. No. It wasn't the job yeah. of the governor, but she would email me and say, what are you going to do about my damn yeah. <laughs> raccoons in the in the roof? So what did I do? Well, I called I called uh, the deputy chief of staff uh, and said, call up the city manager of Delray and tell this, gen- this gentleman that this kind lady has a varmint and animal control needs to get their ass out there and get it done. So... <laughs> I didn't know if that actually happened. So by Sunday, you know, I was on my fuck list. I would, uh, you know, I would oh, respond great. to the poor worker, my colleague, and did you get the city manager? And the answer typically was yes, and the varmint was taken out. So the standard thing in government is say, "Well, that's not my job." Yeah, yeah. You got to call the right mayor, right? And uh, I wanted to try to create a culture because the Tallahassee and state government is so removed from everyday life that what a joy. Even if it wasn't our job, what a joy to help this poor lady who was probably, you know, could have been invalid, may have been homebound, who was scared of having, you know, I use it as a story, it's a joke, but it could have been a serious thing. Yes, you know, right. I wouldn't want a no, rat in no. my <laughs> you know, roof or a, or a raccoon. What a joy to help that woman. What yeah. a, I wanted to make people feel like, mm-hmm. gosh, this is a lot of work, but isn't it really cool mm-hmm. that I'm in a position where I get to help someone that I may never meet? Uh, and it creates a culture of immediately you instinctively want to help. And that fall, that flows into policy and it flows into all sorts of things. So I like the McChrystal line. I may steal it um, because <laughs> I think that, that is the proper way to lead.
0: Yeah. So now when you think back, you've talked about education. Are there other um moments, accomplishments, the, um, and that make you really proud when you think back on your time sure. as governor?
1: Sure. A lot of them. Um, and we can go through some of the mistakes too, if you like. <laughs> I'm not going to volunteer those. But, uh, my first week in office, I came, uh, I went to the federal courthouse in Miami, Florida, my hometown, in front of a federal judge who was threatening to take over the program for the developing disabled. I'm like, wow. I mean, I just got here, man, with (laughs) all due respect, sir. I I didn't know a federal judge could take over a state program, but it has federal funding and Ah. it was mismanaged. And, you know, these are programs that take care of the truly the most vulnerable in our society. These are people whose family members' biggest fear is whether they will outlive their their child or their brother. Uh, They require a tremendous amount of attention. We were mismanaging it for whatever reason. So I said, please allow me mm-hmm. a chance to rebuild mm-hmm. this program and allow mm-hmm. me the funding to get rid of a waiting list. And we did. We created a more community-based care model rather than institutionalized care. We increased funding by a dramatic amount. We empowered. We created uh, employment opportunities for uh, physically and developmentally disabled people. Uh, it's a deeply held belief of mine that the most vulnerable in society mm. need to be at the front of the line. It's, I know we're not supposed to talk how our faith
0: mm-hmm. drives
1: our thinking, <laughs> but I don't know what else. I, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know why we would like put our faith in a lockbox. Mm-hmm. It's not a bad thing to believe, uh, have beliefs mm-hmm. that are guided mm-hmm. by, by your faith. And mm-hmm. I'm a Catholic and the Catholic faith life is precious from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. And you treat people with respect across the board. So I'm really proud of the fact that Florida went from mm. a, have a having a program that was about ready to be taken over to being a model, maybe not the best, but certainly a model that others emulated uh, after I left.
0: And what when you look back, uh, I'm sure there were many, many challenges, but is there one that stands out as a real sort of a crucible moment.
1: (laughs) I got, uh, I'll see. I can, I can talk about Terry Schiavo, but that's probably politically incorrect.
0: Uh, It's all your choice. I could
1: talk about one Florida, which eliminated race as a criteria for admissions, Mm -hmm. uh, which yielded more minority students attending our universities. But it was, it was really hard to get through the controversy. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you the one that, um, That probably had the biggest impact on me personally, which Mm -hmm. was eight hurricanes and four tropical storms in 16 months that uh, allowed me personally and the team that I got to work with uh, to show our heart and to be all in to help people Mm -hmm. really. I mean, there's... There, there are times when government is a burden for people and people look at it and think, uh, you know, hate it. And <laughs> generally, you know, there's a lot of people who just soon not have any interaction with mm-hmm. government. There are people that need government services for sure. But when there's a hurricane and you don't have power and you don't have gasoline and yeah. you can't get to work and your child can't go to school mm-hmm. and you don't know how you're going to be able to make it through uh, the day because your, your freezer is off right. and the food doesn't exist – that's when you want government to be working. yeah. And we delivered. I mean, we, in, in a massive, chaotic mm-hmm. way, uh, we took responsibility for helping people. And I mean, I remember going to a, a uh, so-called special needs shelter. It wasn't so special because there was no power in it. This was the first mm-hmm. storm. We changed that after the, that year where a woman was basically her leg was like it's almost as she was she was diabetic and her leg was exploding and she couldn't get her medication and my secretary of the department of health a practicing physician saved her life oh and Mm. i was like his her like i was like his assistant (laughs) doing this without power it was incredibly chaotic and we had a chance to help i remember calling sons up that were living in New York with their elderly, frail mom sitting in a place that, uh, you know, that was the best we could do at the time after a cat four storm hit Southwest Mm -hmm. Florida, calling him after the phone service came back and saying, get your butt down down here. here. It's not my job to take care of your beautiful mom. I'm looking at her and she is, she is gorgeous and she loves you and you should love her. This is your chance to pay back. So, you know, Having those chances to to help people when they really need it is like the greatest joy that anybody that wants to serve can ever do.
0: Really wonderful. We have just a few minutes. So I'm wondering now now after the governorship, Mm -hmm. uh, what is occupying your time now?
1: Well, I'm I'm back in business. I work uh, with my son, and I have a merchant bank that's growing and back doing what I did for most of my adult life. And I have an education reform foundation that works in 40 states. And our job is to help governors be a little bit bolder, help legislators take a risk on behalf of kids, develop strategies to implement law changes, and then and then help them along the way and encourage them to do it. So basically, it's to take the Florida story Great. around the country and also add new elements of it that are important. Like, you know, wouldn't it be nice to have an aspirational goal of every child graduating from high school with college credit under the belt, if they're capable of doing it, Mm -hmm. but certainly college ready and, or having a nationally recognized certificate that Mm -hmm. says that they're ready for work. So the aspiration should be college and, or career readiness. Mm -hmm. And so there's lots of strategies around making that happen requires big changes in how we deal with high school. So we work on a lot of things like that, and that's kind of where my passions are. I get, I get uh, my policy, uh, my policy yeah. passions are are uh, taken care of in that in that area.
0: Very good. Now, last last question for for those in the audience, and I know there are parents and young people out there who are interested in a life of service, is there any advice that you might give to a young person coming up thinking, you know yeah. what, I think I might like to go into government?
1: Well, um, I would, I would give people, I have given this advice, which is local and state government's a better place to go because I think Washington's kind of cruddy right now. So, um, that disappoints people that think Washington's the end all and be all, but you can, you can, you can, you can have a bigger platform to use the modern mm-hmm. lexicon mm-hmm. these days if you're in uh, local and state government. You'll you'll have the chance to make a bigger difference, maybe in a smaller pond, but more directly uh, helping people at that level. And the other thing I'd say is that there are lots of ways you can be helpful to people that's not through government. You can be successful in business and give your time through your church or a community organization to make a difference. You can you can create a mentoring program in your community to make sure that struggling pre-K to three-year-old, three third-grade kids are reading at grade level by the end of third grade. You don't need a government program to do that. There's there's tons of ways to make a difference that give your life's purpose as well as helping others. And the final thing I'd say about about young people in general is, um, I think the Nike um, <laughs> expression is really important because mm-hmm. there's a lot of like mm-hmm. planning these days. Young people plan a lot. I'd say do it, man. Just go do it. And Mm -hmm. don't try to plan it all out. Life is going to be extraordinarily Mm. exciting. It's going to be disruptive. It's not going (laughs) to be linear. It's going to be 10 steps forward, five steps back. And along the way, help others. But do it, man. Don't sit on the sidelines. Mm -hmm. There's too many people that are so fearful of like taking risks. Mm -hmm. Maybe my generation taught our kids to be... um, a little less risk-taking than they need to be. Mm-hmm. I mean, all the phenomenal things in life that I've done uh, and all the things that really were stimulating, I didn't plan. <laughs> I did it. You know, some of them were like complete disasters, but they were at least, you know, I was out trying yeah, to do it. And absolutely. And that, that I've tried to teach my children with some success. Uh, I think other, you know, that's that's the one thing I see as a as a concern I have. People are way too focused on planning it all out.
0: Well, Governor Bush, thank you so much for joining us. It was really a pleasure. And listeners, stay tuned. This is Leadership in Action on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School, Channel 132. We'll be back with a little more about the Leadership Conference. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.